This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Good morning. Welcome to Axios Today. It's Wednesday, September 2nd. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Here's how we're making you smarter today. It's a great time to be a car dealer. Plus the new $2,000 flip phone. But first, the election nightmare scenario for Democrats is today's one big thing. We've talked on Axios today before about this presidential election being like no other because of the coronavirus. So on election night, we might see immediate results from Republican voters who cast their ballots in person. Democrats and independents, who may be more leery of the pandemic, are more likely to mail in their vote, which is going to take longer to count. This could lead to what some Democratic strategists are calling the red mirage. We believe that on election night, we are going to see Donald Trump in a stronger position than the reality actually is. That's Josh Mendelson. He's the CEO of Hawkfish, a Democratic strategy and modeling firm. And he spoke with White House and politics editor Margaret Taleb on our HBO show about what the electoral map could look like on election night versus what the total count will actually be when it's all over. Their argument is that there is crucial period of time between November the 3rd and whatever the end date is for the count. It may look on election night like President Trump is decisively heading towards a second term, whereas, in fact, over the course of the next several days, that map, which would be red if you conceived it in your mind, overwhelmingly red, would increasingly turn blue in the days and days and days, or perhaps weeks, that followed. But their point is that whatever the map would appear to be on election night will be something that President Trump uses to argue that he's the real winner, that any change in that color over the days that follow is not legitimate. The reason why the perception matters on election night is because it will affect all of the political pressure and court pressure that is exerted in the days to come. I think pundits, journalists and politicians maybe are thinking about this election night going to be very different and are expecting delays. But what about everyone else outside the D.C. bubble? You've actually stumbled onto a very good question. We asked Ipsos, one of our polling partners, to take a look at this question. And guess what they found? 36 percent of Americans at this moment believe that we will know the winner of the 2020 election on election night. There is a real disconnect between people's expectations about what's going to come and what is actually going to come. This firm is funded by Mike Bloomberg. Like, these are Democratic strategists. So the obvious question that you asked is, why should we believe what they're saying? What the CEO said when asked about this is that this for them isn't about spin and it's not about misinformation. One of the things that we believe is that facts matter. It's not about using fear as a tactic. There are objective truths in this world today. But at the end of the day, the model is only as good as the information that's input into it. And a lot can still change before the election. I think it's accurate to say journalists are motivated to report on a free and fair election. And for people who want to think about the election that way, 
what should they be watching for? The thing to expect is no immediate answers. And if anyone claims an immediate answer, I'd be very skeptical of that. Be patient. Buckle up. It is going to look like a different year, and we're probably not going to have answers that hold on election night. And that's not because of any deviousness one way or the other. It's because there's going to be an influx of mail-in ballots. There's going to be legal challenges after the fact. And it just may take a number of days or potentially weeks for the dust to settle. Margaret Taleb is Axios' White House and politics editor. We'll be back in 15 seconds with the booming car market. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory... Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Welcome back to Axios Today. The last recession put General Motors and Chrysler into bankruptcy. This time, it's a completely different story. Joanne Muller is a transportation correspondent for Axios, and she's joining us from Detroit. Hey, Joanne, so this is really not what people would think when you think about how car sales and car companies are doing right now. It's interesting. The consumer has proven to be pretty resilient through the pandemic. There's a little bit of a shock to the industry in the very beginning, but the consumer is still willing to buy. And partly that's because the government's given them money to invest in new vehicles. Some people don't want to be taking public transit during the pandemic. And so they are buying cars instead. Are we talking about new cars as well as used cars? There's a balance, a natural supply and demand between new cars and used cars. And there are two different markets, but they exist side by side. And what's happened during the pandemic is because the auto factories were shut down as a precautionary measure in the beginning of this pandemic for about two months, there was no supply coming in. So when the consumer came back to the dealerships, all they had on the lot was what was already there. So they kind of bought up all those cars and now there's a shortage of new cars. And so some people said, well, let's go to the used car. We'll get a used car instead. Well, the problem was no one was trading in their old car. And so there's just a shortage of vehicles. And as a result, prices are going up. And how is that leading then to how the car makers and car dealers are doing financially? Well, the dealers are raking in the dough right now because they have all the bargaining power. You know, you used to be able to go into the car dealer and, you know, negotiate a decent deal for yourself. Well, right now they got plenty of buyers and not enough supply. So the dealers are, are actually doing really, really surprisingly well, like record profits right now. If you're shopping for a new car, good luck. You're not going to get a great deal. Joanne Muller covers transportation for Axios. Flip phones are back, but they've got a modern twist. And Ina Freed, Axios's chief technology correspondent, is here to explain more. Hey, Ina. Hey, Nyla. First of all, these are a whole new set of phones that are coming out. They look like the old flip phone, but the technology is completely different here. So these are basically taking advantage of either one big foldable display or two screens next to each other, basically so that you can get more smartphone in the same amount of space. 
There's a few of these. Samsung has one. Microsoft has one. But what's exciting is you can do more like the kind of work you do on a tablet where you're doing two things at once on a smartphone that still sort of fits in your pocket. How expensive are they? That's where it gets not so pretty. Microsoft Surface Duo starts at about $1,400. The new foldable from Samsung starts at nearly $2,000. Do you feel like this is a serious contender to the dominance of the iPhone in that display? I don't think we're going to see standard high-end smartphones displaced anytime soon. I think the question is, is there enough cool about this to sort of start driving down the cost where eventually big screens or multiple screens or two screens might be mainstream? Ina Freitas, Axios' chief technology correspondent. Thanks, Ina. Thanks. Before we end today, the foundation for a real-life Wakanda was laid earlier this week. And our idea is to build a futuristic city that incorporates all the latest technologies, cryptocurrencies, That's Akon, the R&B singer whose family is from Senegal, where he wants to build a $6 billion city called Akon City. Construction is scheduled to begin in 2021. And although his idea came before the movie Black Panther, he says the film's success was actually a blessing. As you coming from America or Europe or anywhere in the diaspora, and you feel that you want to visit Africa, we want Senegal to be your first stop. That does it for us today. You can reach our team at podcasts at axios.com or reach out to me on Twitter at Nyla Boodoo. If you want more news before tomorrow, tune into our afternoon podcast recap. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And we'll see you back here tomorrow morning.